episode is brought to you by Slayhouse Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. We're all dancing, man. We're all dancing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for the after credit scene. Dance party. Dance. See, the song should be playing <laughs> really, right now, and I'm singing along with it. I'll yeah, singing to, along with it. I'll have to sync it up. We should, hey. uh, we should definitely get some yeah. some video feeds. We should, just yeah. Just a, down a Show a white guy dancing. Yeah, that's I'll, put, right. I'll show yeah. you dancing. It's all shoulder dancing. I, I, like a close-up of you dancing with your name at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. You know, And then a close-up yeah. of Jeremy with his name at the bottom. Yeah. It'll just be It'll like just, a... And we game, and we game for the camera. Yeah. Like a 70s splash. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Love it. Oh. oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Slayhouse Publishing Presents. Hey, I got it right this time. Uh, Lit Bits. <laughs> that might be the first time <laughs> that you've done it. I missed I it. I know. Um... <laughs> I'm here with, uh, this is Jeremy, I'm here with Trevor and Curtis, and we are talking to you today about some of the best and worst films that have come to us this fall 2021. Yeah, man. Man, and there have been some real humdingers, let me tell you. For better some or for worse. and some bad. Some hum and some dingers. Some hum and dingers. <laughs> some hum and dingers. So, let's just jump right into it. Um, I didn't go see... Last night in Soho, but I I've did. heard it's last night in So So. Yeah, oh! I saw last night in Soho, last night in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, no, it, it wasn't literally last night. Uh, yeah, is it I, even still in theaters? It is. Yeah, it's still there. Oh, okay. You could go see it tonight if you wanted to. I could, or I could just go uh, see Ghostbusters again. Yeah, well, between the two, I would probably go see Ghostbusters again. Which We're getting is weird ahead of because ourselves. they're both about ghosts. Yeah. But like, well, I mean, Ghostbusters is not. Let's be real; it's not really about ghosts because those aren't really ghosts. Like there's there's something completely there's, there's a ghost in it. Well, but they're not ghosts. Well, there's one ghost. There's in one. It. There's yeah. one ghost. Let's, well, we're jumping the gun though. Let's not get to it just yeah, yet. All right. So last night in Soho has that's ghosts how bad in last it. night actually... in Soho is that we want to talk about. Ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about the other movie. Yeah, it's definitely on my mind. I don't know why. It, so Edgar Wright directed this movie. He has done a whole bunch of other stuff. Like and he great helped write stuff. it with Christy Wilson Cairns. I keep wanting yeah. to mispronounce her name. Um, yeah, I mean, so Edgar Wright did uh, Shaun of the Dead. He did Hot Fuzz. He's done, uh, what, the, the End of the World, I think. He did Baby mm. Driver most recently. Oh, yeah. So he's done some interesting movies, but for some reason or another, this movie just did not work for me. Mm. For one thing, it's super repetitive. The story is about this girl played by Thomas and McKenzie who can, like, see ghosts from the past or something and she begins living back through the life of another woman from the 60s uh in soho right in in this like subdivision of london um played by anya taylor joy not the subdivision of london but the subdivision woman. of london london was played but, by yeah, anya taylor you know joy, she's joy. got range I just, man <laughs> i just stumbled through that she's, got, she's range. got the range for it <laughs> yeah um I don't know, like the streets, she's a little flat. Yeah. You know what kind of method acting she had to do to get that together? <laughs> right, right. Go lay down on a pothole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's all she did. She just stood very still the whole movie. Uh, no, it's 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 about, uh, like, Anya Taylor-Joy in the past is like, a, she wants to break out into so showbiz, and then uh, she's kind of wooed by Matt Smith, who, like, turns her into a prostitute, right? That's basically, and then... 
Thomas and Mackenzie has to like live through all of these traumatic experiences that Anya Taylor Joy goes through. Now the 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 IMBD said this also had OG um, General Zod from like yeah Superman Terrence two. Stamp is in there for about like twenty seconds of airtime. Okay, cool. I mean he's he's there. So he's he top billing. He doesn't really. <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, no, I don't think he did. I think Anya Taylor Joy got top billing. She probably did in this movie. Um, yeah, Terrence Stamp is in there for just a little bit of time. He doesn't really have any weight on the plot. The plot meanders so hard. Diana Riggs is in here. Um, she was like my OG crush. Like <laughs> Diana Riggs from well, seeing her in her leather cat suit in Avengers. Oh uh, yeah, okay, like okay, the, okay. The 60s British uh, okay, adventure follow. show. Yeah. Right. Um, I was trying to place her. Yeah, holy shit. Uh, she was so fine, and now she's like a grandma. And it's kind of... <laughs> now she's kind of <laughs> Oh, weird. she was on uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Oh, was she? Yeah. She was okay. the, um, the one who... Spoiler alert. The one who poisoned uh, Joffrey. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiling a, movie, a TV show that ended yeah, like two she, or three years uh-huh. ago. Honestly, she's, uh, <laughs> yeah. she's Welcome fine in Welcome to the club, Curtis. Yeah, you, no. you spoiled your first... Uh, <laughs> yeah, my first spoiler alert. Yeah, she was. Uh, I don't know. She's she's fine in this movie. I like the performances in in this movie. I think Thomas and Mackenzie is way manic. Like she, she she tilts from from being like I I understand her energy to being like really okay. Can you tone it back just a little bit, please? Um, I've loved her in everything else I've seen. She was she was the teenager and old. Uh, oh yeah, you know one of the teenagers. Anyway, that, did you really love her and everything else uh, you've seen? Then I, I mean, I don't love that movie, <laughs> but I think she did fine. Old she, yeah. is the primordial ooze that this podcast was. Yeah, forged that's right. In. Yeah, that's the, the first episode. Um, or she, as Jeremy was, says, that fucking movie. Yeah, that fucking movie. <laughs> I'm still not over it. I'm still mad about that movie. Yeah. All that time I lost. Yeah. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie was also in Jojo Rabbit. Um, I loved her in that movie. That movie's great. I, I really still want to see that. Seen. Yeah, I yeah. need to see that. Uh, you guys got to watch the Hitler movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Slayhouse movie party. Because there's only Jojo one of Rabbit. those. Jojo. Only one Hitler movie. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the one I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I. I don't know. I just forget I, you, Last I felt... Crusade. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Indiana. <laughs> uh, okay. Have I shared my Indiana Jones story on here before? I don't know. I don't know. With, with Max McCoy, the author. Nope. I don't think so. Oh share man. It. Share right, it. This is a, this is this a movie is review. Aside. This is a movie review. So share it. Yeah. It's an aside. All right. So I went. Uh, my my undergrad was at Emporia State University, and one of the tenured professors there in creative writing is this guy named Matt McCoy or Max McCoy. Um, he wrote a bunch of novelizations of. Indiana Jones and like like the expanded universe for Star Wars mm-hmm. he did that for uh Indiana Jones. Is he the only one who did that? He's no there there were there were a couple but he's written several of them, okay. right? So um my professor at Emporia State University she was like I in my intro to lit class she was like let's read uh we're, we're going to read some genre work and we're going to talk about genre. <laughs> And she was like, I have this book here uh, that I want you to read. It's Indiana Jones and like the the hollow earth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I read this book. I read this 
this Indiana Jones book. And as an undergrad, I read it with the same energy that I read everything for this podcast. <laughs> and so uh, like all of the things that I've said about like Star Wars in, in our previous Star in Wars episode, last episode in the last episode, um, I've I said like straight up to my teacher, to my professor in college. And we had a guest speaker that day <laughs> who I did not recognize as Max McCoy, oh. author of the book itself. So and slammed so, his book. so I, sl- I went full tilt into his book, oh. slammed his book in front of everybody. Cause she asked like, what were your thoughts? And I was like, can we talk about this book? Because it's fucking insane. <laughs> and, I, and I just, I went into like all of the plot bits that I was like, and this, and this French guy shows up and what is he doing here? <laughs> and I'm like, I was just really critical of this book. And so I, at the end of my rant, I see this this other professor who's there as a guest, and he is laughing his ass off, <laughs> <laughs> laughing. And uh, and he turns and uh, and he, and my professor was like, right, well, uh, this is Max McCoy. He's the author. And I was like, oh fuck, I gotta go. Yeah. So so at the end of the at the at the end of his his little you know presentation on like writing and stuff like that, all of the kids go up to have their books signed by Max McCoy, and I'm the last in the line, of uh, course. <laughs> so I get to him and I hand him my book and I say, hey, will you go ahead and sign this for me? And he goes. No, I think I'm good. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He did not. Was he, he really for real? No, I mean, I, he took. I think he took it in stride, but he never signed my book. And so, oh, no, so, that's salty. I'm, I'm like that's the, salty. I'm like the only kid. I'm gonna see if he's class. on Twitter, and I'm gonna tag him when we upload this episode, <laughs> oh, and just God. see if we can get his perspective on this. This is my book. That is hilarious. So that's our review of last night in Soho. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was that's, so. That's good. It was so uninteresting. Uh, We've not get things back on track. Uh, so i mean i'm sure the entire world except for me and i i'm just probably this is going to be the one mcu film that i just don't see with any kind of enthusiasm i guess everyone else has seen the eternals so do we want to talk about it i mean it just briefly bummed me out uh (laughs) it really did i tell us how you really feel trevor (laughs) i was i walked into this movie feeling like i knew that it was going to be kind of not good. I mean, the reviews were all over the place before. They were, and and a lot of people were like, but it's Marvel, but it's Marvel, and, and Marvel's done everything great. And I'm like, when yeah, When the dude from NPR who hates on Marvel says it's going to be a good movie, you know it's going to be a bad movie. Right. Well, Glenn Weldon has never really, let's be real, he's never really <laughs> hated on Marvel. So I'm tagging him in this episode as well, too, Yeah, that's right, right yeah. <laughs> From a Glenn, bit- will t- Glenn will tell you. <laughs> Glenn's very active on Twitter. <laughs> um, no, I, like, I don't know. I, this movie just bummed me out. I, I just, uh, like, there are many things that I love watching uh, in a, a superhero movie, like, having superheroes just stand around for three hours talking about their feelings is not one of them. It's not, it's just not something I'm very interested in. What? Yeah. Today on Jerry Springer, we have Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. And it's, are you the father? 
Oh, my God. You wrecked my home. <laughs> Martha. Martha. Why'd you Martha. say that name? Throw the chair. Throw the chair. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Settle down. Settle down. No, this movie is, uh, I just, I felt exhausted by it. Like, there, there are parts of the movie that I think don't make any sense logically to the plot. Like, they introduce these villains. I'm a, I'm a spoil some shit right here Spoil it. i'm spoiling it, Spoil it like so the, the idea milk. is that these eternals are like these beings created by celestials which are like the gods of the marvel universe right and they come and they're they're supposed to protect humankind from the deviants which is just a stupidly named weirdo creature thing the creature deviant. race <laughs> yeah, so they come in to like Says genocide who? the deviants, <laughs> and and for the whole movie you're kind of set up, like, oh, so the deviants are really the bad guys, and then like after the first act of the movie, the movie's like, no, but the deviants aren't really the bad guys at all, and I'm like, well, then why did I just spend forty fucking minutes <laughs> watching a movie about like setting up the the we're conflict between the Eternals and the deviants? <laughs> Oh, yeah, they were they were just really into BDSM. That's why they're called the Deviants. <laughs> no, but so these these Eternals, you know, are in conflict with the Deviants, and then after the first act of the movie, it's like, oh, but th- that's not even the conflict that you should care about. And I'm like, so then what the fuck so, am I watching? Yeah. So so then they they kind of like spend the rest of the movie trying to reorient who the bad guys of the movie are, but the Deviants are still showing up and just wrecking shit, and you're like, I'm. St- Still supposed to care about I'm this just dumb? Just they killed off Salma Hayek. That would be the only reason. I yeah, could watch that off film. screen, and then like <laughs> you don't even. Like, yeah, she's not even in the majority of the movie. Like all it took was from dusk till dawn, and then that movie. What was it? Fools Rush In or something with her and Matthew yeah. Perry. Matthew Perry. And I mean, I like, like her. I, I will go see Salma Hayek and everything. I like her in in virtually. Can I tag Salma Hayek in sure. this? I don't think she's going to listen to me slam her movie. I do like me some No, Selma. we're slamming the movie. We're not slamming her. Oh, no. Selma Hayek. And let me be clear. Like, <laughs> Easy, Jeremy. About this movie. This movie has some fine performances. Just kidding, like, honey, to my wife. Gemma Chan, I, I liked her in this movie. I liked Richard Madden. I liked Kumail Nanjiani. I liked Kit Harington. I liked Selma Hayek. I liked Angelina Jolie. Like, it has some good actors. It's got some, some great some actors. A-list and actors. the acting is not my problem with this movie. My problem problem is like plot wise it makes no fucking sense at all and like and and so much of the conflict is given to characters that i don't give a shit about because there are 10 of them and none of them have very much dimension so like story-wise i just i'm just not there yeah Mm. for me the the too many characters has always been a problem for me like, yeah. how am I supposed to give a shit about each and every yeah. one of you? And yeah. it, it might work in, in a series that's 20 films long. You know, right. when I go and I watch Infinity War or something like that, I have stakes in all of the characters because I've seen them in their own media elsewhere. Right. So when something happens to Doctor Strange, I'm like, oh, no, Doctor Strange, I, I loved you in that movie. Right, right. There's but, like an organic kind of coming together. Exactly. Over a long yeah. of time, exactly. Rather than just shoving so this I cast know what the stakes are. But then when you bring me ten people in a movie, and the right. movie's only got a two and a half hour runtime, and they're like, care, 
care about this character. I'm yeah. like, fucking, I can't. And most, you can't manufacture I think that. a lot of people are like, well, I do and I will because this is a Marvel movie. And that's yeah, just right, what, yeah. you know, I'm going to do it but, no matter what. But that was another thing, you know, like, whereas I feel like I walk into Captain America with all of my expectations about what I know about Captain America, I'm a huge nerd. I only knew who the Eternals were by, like, the title. Like, I knew who they are because I, I actually do have one of the um, the the miniseries runs of the Eternals. But, like, I couldn't tell you very much more about them other than that they exist. You know, I had no real... I wasn't coming in... And they in, always will. Yeah, I wasn't coming in with a connection to these characters. So I was, like, expecting the movie to give me something to connect to. Right. And it just doesn't happen. It's I just funny. Don't it's think almost it like... DC tried to catch up to Marvel, right? By throwing a bunch of characters into a couple of different movies and try and play catch up really quickly with them. Yeah. And it fell flat. And now Marvel has almost done the exact same thing. Almost. Like, <laughs> with yeah. one one of their franchises. With one right. of their franchise, yeah. It really yeah. feels like these massive corporations just battling each other. It like, does. You know, oh, for sure. Very cynically. Know, it's just a business kind yeah, of thing. Very it, cynically. It, yeah. I, I, you know, now, it's hey guys, like how I'm daydreaming Star Wars. Slay House is that big that we can be a <laughs> massive corporation just battling each other and throwing schlock out just to. Yes. yes. And just raking. We can aspire, folks. We can aspire. never be outdone. So, um, so yeah, the Eternals, I mean, but it made some money. So there you go. But yeah. let's, let's look at, let's look at the next one on our they list. They all do. Um, they, some do. Um, Antlers didn't. Antlers made, it looks like almost it made back exactly what the budget <laughs> <Yeah>. was. <laughs> um, I meant all Marvel movies. I feel like Antlers, Antlers, Antlers is a movie that. that will do better in streaming. Like yeah, once I it, agree. Once it's finally on a platform uh, than it, it would in theaters. I mean, I'll totally watch it again. I enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed the movie. It had some issues. It wasn't perfect, but I did... Overall, I enjoyed the movie. For one, it's a great horror film that's showcasing a monster that we are not as like I'm familiar with it because I'm familiar with all things horror, but um, yeah. a lot of people may not be as familiar with this idea of like a Wendigo or this native American spirit. Yeah. And, and I find that they, they showcased it in this, this movie. I just thought it was beautifully done. It was a great mix of like CGI and There's, practical effects. There is some, yeah, that was the thing that struck me a it lot about this movie is that the, the blend of CGI with practical effects works wonderfully on the screen and it was atmospherically beautiful like it was yeah. not it was very unsettling looking it really yes. played with the setting really well yeah it didn't rely on a bunch of jump scares but there were there a were couple a couple jump, that got that me got out you. of my seat like, like it, it got me me and trevor and my wife went to see this at the same time like all together and all three of us like my wife never jumps at films and that yeah. scene that and trevor knows what i'm talking about yeah. and it, it like it not only gets you in the initial jump scare but then it does it again and yeah you're like you're it's, like i it's wasn't a jump scare it liked so much it did it twice yeah and it works <laughs> it works and, yeah and, yeah, uh, and it it got me both times. It did. I was it expecting got, yeah. it both. Uh, it like, got my wife. My wife never jumps at this yeah. stuff, and she jumped. And... I was expecting <laughs> it, but I was not expecting it the same way twice. I, th I think we all three looked at each other after that and just grinned and like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it works. All right. <laughs> um, I think I think uh, so. Looking back on this movie, um, which had a lot going for it, mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I kind of struggle with is just taking. Uh, something that's a Native American myth 
uh, with its own kind of allegory and then trying to create a new allegory on top of it, like to use it as your own allegory. Yeah. Right. So in this movie, the, the, the Wendigo, I think, is an allegory for, um, for like paternal abuse or for child abuse, mm-hmm. right? And, and with the, the trauma that comes from that, so the characters in this book, all of them uh, suffered some kind of um, trauma through uh, child abuse mm-hmm. and, and are, are coping with it in different ways. And so the Wendigo just becomes a manifestation of that trauma as they try to grapple with it. And so I, I don't know. I Kinda feel like, like it, it sounds like. A little bit. A little bit. That's what I'm thinking right now. A little now, bit. It. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I, I struggled at times because I felt like this allegory isn't really quite coalescing the way that I think they want it to. And I also just, I'm kind of like, like they treat the Wendigo and the transformation that people go through, you know, when they're cursed with this Wendigo curse or whatever. Um they treat it as though it's contractable, like like vampirism or lycanthropy is contractable, and I don't know how much that fits in with like the Native American mythology. And so I, let me, and it, it was kind of weird to me. Yeah. So let me address the Native American mythology because having being a just a tad more familiar with it tells me how I see what they're doing with this movie. Yeah. And it that's why it does kind of work for me. So. The Wendigo is um, all. It's kind of a. It's an allegory against um, cannibalism. It's addressed to a populace of Native and, Americans. And kind of isolationism, right? Right. Or- it's isolationist. Um, it's addressed to a population, a Native American population. It's really prominent in like northern tribes, um, where there was food insecurity at certain times of the year, yeah. and so they warned against like, no, if you eat this other person and it was, it was contracted almost like vampirism. Like the Wendigo would be a spirit that would come in and force you to cannibalize. Like you'd be so hungry. You'd eat another one of your tribesmen or one yeah. of another person. And then after you did that, you yourself would become the Wendigo. Right. Oh. You, you become so, the monster, right? Yeah. The, and the curse kind of settles on you for the violence that you've done against, uh, right. you know, someone, someone and else. And so that idea of food insecurity and this, this impoverished and isolationist kind of, community um is being played into in this movie because they are in this like little mountain setting in oregon and and they are like Mm. this is a very impoverished town like everybody is is poor yeah and in fact the the idea of like this idea of cannibalism and food and and providing for people is um played out with the dad who becomes the wendigo like the father figure for the the little boy um because he finds the creature, he's attacked by the creature and becomes the creature because he, um, well, he's, he's a meth, he's a meth dealer. He's like cooking yeah. meth in the mines. Um, and so, and, and, and that play on this emaciated kind of look and playing mm. with that, the effects of that drug and stuff, I feel like kind of right. go well together. And I think when he, when we do see later in the film, that the guy that was with him when he's making meth at the beginning of the film, mm. we see half the body, like half the torso. I think what we're seeing is, the Wendigo possesses the guy. He eats his friend in the mine. We find the half of the corpse later on, and that's how he becomes the Wendigo. So I think it is playing well, into I, the, yeah. the legends. I guess I kind of 
so the meth dealer guy though is attacked by a Wendigo to begin with, and then turns into the Wendigo. Yeah, like that's kind of how it works. Right. I don't know. I, I kind of like with Jesse Plemons later in the the, the movie. Oh, right, right, he right. He gets right. attacked by the Wendigo, and yeah. then later it's implied that but, he's but becoming the Wendigo. And and but, but I think at that point in time, you know, the implication is really like he's infected by the trauma that he suffered as a child oh, sure. through his own you know child abuse. Like like that's kind of what they're using that for. Right. It's just messy to me. Yeah. And the reason why it could have been done a little clearer. Yeah I, think. I, yeah, I think the reason why it just didn't quite connect to me is that like I know these things about what the Wendigo is and what the Wendigo does and then as as a result you know when I see this trying them trying to use it to allegorize something I'm kind of like but it already is an allegory and so now right. you're you know you're like taking this allegory and changing it for yourself yeah I, I don't know it's just I I didn't Did it feel, feel like they were appropriating it kind a of? little bit yeah. I could see that I, sure. th- I, I felt a little bit like that but I also felt like we say that not knowing the background it, it just, of Scott Cooper, right? Like, and, and who wrote I mean, the screenplay and wrote the short story. And, and, right. and, and this is also produced by like Guillermo del Toro. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. Scott Cooper was the director. This is uh, Nick and Tosco, who yeah. wrote the screenplay. And yeah, and, I, okay. and and like I'm not. I, sorry, I don't folks. really care too much about appropriation <laughs> because I think that there's a difference between like like true appropriation, which is like this is original to my culture. Yeah. When it is not, and right. claiming that it's part of your rich heritage when it is not, that yeah. is appropriation. Yeah. Right, I don't right. believe that appropriation okay. is just I'm wearing a dress that traditionally belongs to another, you know, group of people. Because it's not. I'm not saying that this is part of my cultural he is heritage. Wearing a dress today, I am folks. saying that it's something. Uh, well, yeah. It's a s- uh, slick listen, back Harry Styles taught me to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pushing back. Oh, it's actually got a slit all the way up to his uh, thigh. It's really actually kind of disgusting. Oh, well, I Please just cross your legs. Trevor. I haven't shaved Please. today. <laughs> <laughs> I just, let, me, let me ask a question. Um, if like, you know, you know a lot of things about the Wendigo and so that affects the way you interpret the movie and, and kind of, yeah. What do you think it would, the impression would be somebody who has no, like me, who has no yeah. idea what that story is about. It, it could probably hit very differently. Yeah. Would it make right? sense to, yeah. to a person? Oh, I think it, it does make sense. Okay. I, I mean, like, I feel like you would tr- be able to track a lot of what the movie's playing. I don't pit, think right, there's a lot down. of movies on this list that we would advise people necessarily to go see, but I yeah. do feel like even though we have these criticisms of this one, yeah. I think it is one that we would no, say definitely go see No, on the whole, this. Right. I enjoyed this movie a lot. I didn't I enjoy it like... on the whole. The antlers were a little sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Yes! <laughs> Oof! There it is. I was waiting uh, for the first one. Yeah. <laughs> you really have to time these things perfectly, folks. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the trick behind good comedy and it, making it's a really pun work. It's really on me for just it's... walking into it. Yeah. He backed yeah. into it. I really backed into it. <laughs> Should have been, wa- been, been watching. Oh, my God. Um, all right. Yeah, no, just to kind of sum that up, you know, there are some movies that I feel like they try something new, uh, like Nighthouse, and that did not pay off for me. Right. I really was frustrated by Nighthouse because I felt like the allegory or, or the story that they were going for, the symbolism they were going for did not work for me. Whereas right. I feel like on the whole, this one feels a little better, but it still is kind of messy. And that's kind of why yeah. I, I say like, I I. It's not that I didn't have my problems with it, but right. I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ron's gone wrong. Ron's gone wrong. Listen, I, I don't know I why. I didn't see this one, folks. I don't know why. I just really I like. I of these. I like. <laughs> yeah, I like kids' movies sometimes. Your like, kids might like. Would his kids like? Uh, probably. Ron's yeah, gone wrong. This, this feels like a, a movie good family. that's very manufactured for family-friendly 
entertainment. Yeah, yeah. I just have to be really case by case about it. It's not really like a no. That's oh cool. yeah, a yeah, code yeah. I go by. No, I think Ron's that, gone wrong. Uh, yeah, it's got Zach Galifianakis and Ed Helms in it. Um, oh, that's a PG movie. Yeah, Zach mm-hmm. Galifianakis plays a robot. Oh uh, my god, that he is my favorite. Oh really? I <laughs> love that man. He plays a. Uh, he plays a robot that that has like a a manufacturing defect. Number um, five, come so on that alive. like, like the, yeah, <laughs> no, it's very it is very like that. It's very like it's got the same kind of vibe. Basically, um, he's supposed to be this friend to a little kid, but like all of his safety settings are are off, and like <laughs> all, the algorithm that is supposed to make him friendly is just kind of wonky. So he's he's very friendly but he's also terrifying and I I I don't know why there are some really good dark jokes in this movie that just got me. Like first off, uh he only uh, like in terms of of the dictionary that downloads for his little robot brain or whatever, he only has um like an encyclopedic knowledge of words that begin with A. Um, and so it's like trying to get understand this kid's name and this kid, uh, I forget the kid's name. Um, but basically the robot thinks that his name, it like pitches names to him. It's like Aaron. Um, it's Barney Adam. Oh yeah. The kid's name is Barney. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, but it gets through, and and the kid's like, "My name's not Aaron. It's not Adam." And it's like Absalom, and he's like Absalom, and uh, and he's like, "Correct." So your name is Absalom, and like with Confirm. that intonation, with the, with the question mark, you know, at the end of it. So throughout the whole movie, he's like, "Where are you going, Absalom?" Like, it's so funny. I don't know why that joke works for me so well. It sounds kind of like Big Hero Six. Did you see that movie? Oh yeah, definitely. Is it like that? It's absolutely got some Baymax vibes okay. like for <laughs> sure I really like that movie yeah for sure it's it's got the same kind of like goofy robot humor the robot buddies always yeah. work in the movies yeah <laughs> so but there are some great like I said some great dark jokes at one point in time like Chucky the the robot yeah the robot is like trying to figure out um everything about barney to like you know be his best friend or whatever and he tears uh the 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 head off of like barney's little stuffed bunny or whatever and he's like what did you do he's like i had to find out everything about you so i did and i found out that the bunny's head rips off after 45 square inches of, or uh, like he knows the 40, yeah, 45 yeah. Uh, uh, pounds per square inch of force or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, he runs into a chicken later and, and the robot grabs the chicken by the head and the body and starts stretching. And, and he's just counting. He's going 42, 43. Oh, no! <laughs> like, it's so dark. Barney's like, shit. Yeah. But it works. So I, I thought that the, the jokes really, good if you're a cynical millennial and you watch this movie and you're like yeah yeah everything's a big corporation and and none of that is good um you'll get really cynical about the ending to this movie too because it's a child's movie and it's it's very didactic um (laughs) but at the same time i i had a blast with it i really like i'm not gonna rank it in like my favorite children's movies or anything but in terms of like non-objectionable kids movies i i had a good time with it i thought it was pretty fun nice 
Well, that time nice. was good. What about No Time to Die? I, see what I did there? I really... I uh, see. Is that... Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No Time to Die. The Segway Master. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It felt like maybe it's No Time to Die, but it definitely killed my interest in this franchise. Oh. Like, it did? Yeah. Did yeah. it? Was it bad? I did not like it. You know, Daniel yeah. Craig said before they even thought about doing this movie, Daniel Craig yeah. said a long time ago, they asked him, are you going to do any more 007 films? And he said, I would rather die than do another <laughs> 007 film. Well, <laughs> I mean, and he did one. So yeah. I, I was like, should I watch this? I don't. Dies. Because from what I know, he doesn't give a shit about this movie. And yeah. he dies at the end of it. Like, spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler really? alert, they actually kill off James Bond. Oh, my Now, God. this is not the end of, of James Bond movies. Right. Because um, you can go with a different timeline. Right. You're, I mean, just a different... Or just a different character, like you know, I I felt like yeah. for me, what made this Bond so interesting is the sense of continuity they give to Daniel Craig's character, and the way that Daniel Craig develops over the course of the movie. So this, you know, you see a different James Bond, like he's going through different stuff in each movie, right? And as a result, the character I think just evolves, becomes very different. And um and and feels so much differently than any of the James Bonds that came before it. It's kind of like what they did with Batman. He, he's just a little bit one-dimensional yeah. character that threw his thing, and then over time, it's like, what's his deal? Yeah, you know, like what? No doubt. So, so that's so kind of cool. This um this movie, I I think, as a capstone to a project to kind of bring James Bond into the 21st century and make him a more nuanced character than just dude who fucks bitches and sh- and drives cars. That really won't fly today, will it? I mean, the, really the traditional 007 I mean, is not going to work now. Go back and watch any James Bond prior to Dan- Daniel Craig in today's in today's uh, you know like cultural climate. Even and the Pierce Brosnan ones. Even the Pierce yeah. Brosnan ones. And I loved Pierce Brosnan filthy. and Sean Connery's versions. Yeah, I, did. I love. So, I still love the Sean Connery movies, but but like yeah, man, you're right. there they, are they don't some, stand up some and... problems. Do you remember Denise Richards in that Pierce one? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Whoa, that's some. Yeah, bad acting, dude. I oh mean, yeah. Oh, I thought her just, acting is rough. I mean, she's a very good-looking woman. But oh yeah. Let's be real. She cannot act her way out of a. It makes me bag. like her though. It actually makes oh, me really? like her. Like her acting is so bad, but she just insists. I, on I doing feel like it. she's just so genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, like she just like she genuinely <laughs> wants to be there. She genuinely is giving it her best shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like on Starship Troopers. She oh was... yeah. I unironically <laughs> love Starship Troopers oh, and yes. love her in Starship Troopers. Same here. Yeah. Same yeah. here. Yeah. For sure. True. Yeah. When she got stabbed in the thing or whatever, and she yeah went, yeah she went. Ah! <laughs> like, like it hurts. Ow! So, it was so no, bad. I mean, it, she was doing her Arnold. Give me Give me the choice between Denise Richards and not Denise Richards. Like I'm gonna watch Denise Richards. I like Ooh, Denise. Arnold Schwarzenegger is James Bond. Uh, I thought you were gonna say Arnold Schwarzenegger is Denise Richards. <laughs> oh no no no, that's not subtle enough. Bond has to be subtle. Yeah, yeah. you can't be Schwarzenegger walking into a no. casino. No, because you know, all eyes immediately go to him. Right. No. Well, he kind of was James Bond in True Lies, though. 
I mean, that was True very Lies much. True Lies is a great. That we were just awesome. talking about this. True we Lies is probably it's, peak it's, 90s. It's really, oh, it's it's really so great. good. I mean, he really was James Bond in that film. Oh, I mean, he gets oh, out of the yeah, scuba definitely. gear and he's got the he's and got Jamie the tuxedo Lee Curtis on. is the Bond girl. Dude, like, oh yeah, movies in the 90s perfect. were just inexplicably good. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, that movie is peak 90s. Yeah, Tia Carrera's in that movie. Tia Carrera. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah! Like I, he did the whole Bond girl movie. being a villain, and then the true Bond girl thing before. I think James Bond, like those 007 movies, did it. Like I don't know if they'd done it. Maybe they had. Maybe they had done it. Maybe that's where he got the idea. Who did it? Uh, Cameron and True Lies. Yeah. I was like when did? Because yeah. oh, then the, you get the spy you get, who's trying like who's the got gorgeous a beard. femme fatale spy. I mean, yeah, it's oh, been yeah. done before. It was, but he did it so well in that movie. It was so good. No, I, I think what works about that movie is that James Cameron just steers directly into the tropes of that whole genre and, and turns yeah. it on your head and just yeah. plays with it and yeah. just and just delivers kind of a balls to the wall and he put tom of, arnold in it which tom, yeah. it right it's, over the top it's, and it's funny yes. like it's genuinely funny and yeah. self-aware of its own like stupid jokes and, and <laughs> yeah, like yeah tom arnold talking yeah. about his wife leaving him and he's like what kind of bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that's, that's his big yeah. issue. <laughs> it's so funny. No, that 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 movie is is stellar. So anyway, but back so that's our review of No Time to Die. Yeah, we, yeah. Back to No Time <laughs> to Die. I just you only thought you were getting a review of uh, the movies that just came out. We're yeah. actually ref- using them to segue <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, we're just where this is going. all our '90s films. <laughs> um, so, no, I I felt like this, like again to just kind of wrap it up, like. I felt like this movie was very underwhelming because as much as they try to evolve the the character of Bond for me, the plot just really did not work. Bummer. Um, it was way too convoluted. And, and then on top of that, um, I really just felt like they did a, a terrible job establishing Rami Malek as this villain. Like... This villain is the most one-note villain I have encountered in a long time. Dude, that guy, I like him a lot. Uh, but unfortunately, the thing that I liked him most on was Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I mean, when he when I watched the Queen movie, yeah, didn't work for me. Uh, I like he I has he like, found his spot yet, or is he kind of? I really don't think so. Still trying I to think, fit him into different I think they're slots. trying to find the right place for him. He was in that show, Mr. Robot. Too. He'll get there for Mr. sure. Mr. Robot was pretty good. Um, he had a part in a video game horror movie, which I thought was pretty good. Um, he was also in. Wasn't he in a, a movie recently with? Uh, it was like a. a uh, it was it was like another thriller movie with um mm-hmm. with the the bad Joker guy. Oh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. The bad Joker. Oh yeah, he, didn't he we see that? that? Yeah, we yeah, watched Joker. Nobody wants to talk Denzel about. Washington. And Denzel was in Washington. It, too. it was like a, a PI crime thriller kind yeah. of movie. I felt like he was pretty okay in that movie as as he kind didn't of have like a, big a junior part, cop. He was, oh yeah, yeah. No, he was the junior yeah, he, cop. He 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 was the young cop. That's right. Like the young FBI guy. That really should have been on our boy. That's bad. It was called the little things. The little things. The little yeah. things. Yeah. That and was. We, I mean, it came out a while ago. Did we watch it during this fall? No, we didn't watch it this fall. So it should have been it was, in our it was summer. It's like a year ago that it came out. January 29th, twenty one. Oh, okay. So oh, okay. it was January when it came out. Okay, that's out. why we never talked about it. Yeah, it's not a bad movie, but it, it also wasn't great. I felt like it right. didn't really do anything new. Um, the performances were maybe the the best part, but I don't like Jared Leto. I I think he's a, 
I think he's terrible. I can't. I tried. I, just, no. I, I tried, like man. I tried. I'm, I'm not a fan of Jared Leto either. He likes yeah. himself so way more sure than I could ever like him. On so. Twitter, when yeah, we release yeah, this yeah. Episode. Hey, Jared Leto. <laughs> not listen, a fan. Come listen to our fan. podcast. So, um, what was your favorite of the Daniel Craig uh, 007s? I mean, I really feel like uh, Casino Royale is yes, is just kind of a masterclass. That's the one I was going to say. Spy thriller, like yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's really good. It's the one that feels the most grounded. It feels the least like James Bond in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I felt it like has you on, on the edge of your seat the yeah, whole time. It's just a, it's a slam dunk movie. When he's struggling with the poison. Yeah. Coursing through his veins, yeah. like that was like it had me. Yeah, yeah I wanted to I watch also, that one over. I and also over. liked Skyfall. Um, I felt like mm-hmm. there's so like the plot is so inconvenient in that movie. Uh, it, <laughs> That's true for a improbable. lot of James Bond films. Though. It's so improbable, <laughs> for sure. But, but sharks if you can with get lasers past on them. that. I mean, it's yeah. Austin Powers, but it's, I mean, it's the same. I count Austin Powers as James Bond movies. I was going to say, yeah. there's yeah. a reason they made all those yeah, jokes yeah, yeah. in yeah. Austin Powers, because those might yeah. be rightful criticisms. Yeah, but, but but No Time to Die, I just, I felt like, man, what a terrible note to end on, because I'm okay with them killing Bond. I'm just not okay with anything else this movie tried to do. I mean, it makes sense that Bond would die. He does yeah. the most dangerous shit in the world. Oh, sure. You know, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and I It's more I likely think than Steve Irwin. They tried some <laughs> stuff for the character here that I think was really ambitious and I respect him for it. But the the actual like nitty gritty of how it all goes down, I just was like, man, I just think this is bad. Mm. I just don't like it. And that, that you know that that kind of reinforces my original thought. Like, if Daniel Craig would rather die than do another one, yeah. Then how like, could I? How could I go watch this? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I bet they got pissed about maybe him saying that. I, you know, I, I wonder knows? if that was a breach of contract or something. Like, <laughs> you don't go do that. Maybe. Um, yeah. So then we went to see the last duel, and I. This was actually I liked this movie. I love it. I will say that for me, I I thought like. This is one of those movies where it's like, here's a sequence of events that happen, and here's one person's perspective, and then here's the next person's perspective, and you almost see the same seasons. The same same story beats three times. Yeah. So at (laughs) times it felt a little long. It was very repetitive. Very repetitive. But all in all, I liked it. I thought and it was I think a good that film. the repetition for this movie works. Like, uh, this is a Ridley Scott Last Duel is about. It's it's based loosely on real like history of mm-hmm. the last duel in France, right? Um, because France, like in in French law, you could basically accuse someone of wrongdoing and then demand trial by combat. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the last duel. Right, that that historically ever occurred between these two. So let's give a little. Men. Let's give give a little um, insight into what happened. So Matt Damon's character is, and I just wrote Matt. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon's character is married to Jodie Comer, um, or Jodie Comer's character, and he is a he's a knight. He's um, He's struggling with his his local his finances. His finances. His local governor kind of. Oh yeah, and like his, with, his uh, Ben Affleck, the lord the, he he's he supposed under. to play pay fealty to under yeah. the king. Oh, and man, he's really good friends good. with Adam Driver's character. Yeah. And it's 
through these three perspectives. So Ben Affleck yeah. kind of plays a side character in this, but um, yeah. this was actually the first collaboration between Affleck and Damon since, and they've worked together as actors, but yeah. this is the first time they worked together as screenwriters since Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Um, so mm. the, the story is, is basically Adam Driver uh, is accused of raping jo, uh, Jody uh, Comer. Jody Comer's character. Yeah. Um, and Matt Damon challenges him to a duel. And what's interesting about oh, that is justice. in Adam Driver's version of events, like when we see that, uh-huh. he still admits to like attacking to and raping, raping her, her, but it's not as violent a scene as what as what she, she depicts. depicts. Yeah, right. when we see her version it, of events, it's really interesting. And and the just the political machine kind of working against Jodie Comer mm-hmm. makes and her, Matt Damon and and well, but but I mean Matt he's Damon's kind of an, an asshole. Kind of, like, he is like an his character is self-righteous when you see his perspective, but then when you see Jody Comer's perspective, like he's just as rapey and just as awful mm-hmm. as any of the other men in this story. And I I think what's really interesting about this movie is that I, I think it tries to have a conversation about the way we have framed history yeah. itself. Right. The way that we write these historical narratives right. and envision these historical narratives without uh, really paying attention to like who is writing the historical narrative and how does that reshape the kinds of narratives we tell ourselves about the way that things should go. Right. I am so sad this movie has not made back its budget. Um, Ridley yeah. Scott, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon deserve much better. They at least deserve some awards. Yeah, because uh, it, it had a $100 million this. budget and it's only, I mean, the box office was real small. It was like 27.4. And I double check these numbers, folks. So like by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be a few weeks after we've recorded it. But I double check these numbers the night before we recorded this. So yeah. this has been, this is like up to the date. There's, what there's no such a low turnout. Time. Well, I mean, it is a pandemic. Right. Uh, there's not a whole lot of, of stuff that is in theaters right now that's really turning out a lot of people, you know. And right? I don't think they really marketed this. No, like, I, I think lot. the biggest movie that we've seen so that or that we're talking about really is No Time to Die. And that made, yeah. you know, $733 million. Uh, but even the Eternals didn't. And I make think that's much a world gross. Yeah, seven thirty three. I think uh, that's what I was trying uh, to. But it, it hasn't cleared. You wow. know the 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 marks that a lot of people mm. thought it were, was going to try to clear. You know, Eternals is the big Marvel movie that's only had three hundred four. Off a two hundred million dollar budget, so that's really not making. Yeah. That's barely covering marketing. It's, it's uh, going to make money in yeah. the long run, mm-hmm. but the fact that you know it like most of these Marvel movies end up making like a billion dollars mm-hmm. um, for it to have been out for two or three weeks now yeah. and to not have made that big a, sl- a splash. Like it's, it's going to be the most underperforming Marvel movie, I think. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it is the lowest score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, that too. I think a lot of word of mouth is, is probably going to keep people from going. <laughs> Our word of mouth isn't helping it much either. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, but the last duel deserves that word of mouth. It deserves, I think it deserves that deserves credit. More, more audience. And I, I was listening to some some reactions to this movie from NPR and NPR critics. Um, I don't often agree with a lot of critics. Yeah. Um, yeah. NPR was just uh, they really did not like this movie, and they they talked a lot about what they didn't like about this movie, and and I disagreed on nearly every point. I was yeah. I was like, you know, I feel like you're missing the point of 
Well, I don't like NPR that much, so. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, Glenn Weldon. (laughs) (laughs) You. So after the last duel, then we had Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I wanted to see this one. I I kind of. I mean, I like. Was it Topher Grace? No. No. Oh, no. No Topher? It's, no, it's, it's Bane from Batman as Venom yeah. now. Oh. Tom Hardy does some weird stuff with Venom. I This movie uh, had... A, Luckily, he doesn't do the Bane voice yeah. with Bane. Yeah. I did this movie not was directed like by Andy Serkis, which I yeah. did not know until I actually watched the movie. and then I Until I wrote it down on our script? No, no, no. I, I actually knew. That's I, when I found I knew out. once I saw the, the, the credits roll, I was like, holy shit, this was directed by Andy Serkis. I didn't know. I love Woody Harrelson. Like, he's, he's one of my favorites He's not very good in this movie though like uh, will, if i'm being yeah. real but i also think it's weird that they cast him as as yeah he's an know, odd choice carnage. for cletus because he's old, like how old is he now he's in his 60s, he's in his 60s right 60s, yeah and, and and this character is only supposed to be like 30 and he's or got something? like they give him a, a bad looking a terrible looking like red terrible wig like curly wig. red wig <laughs> yeah like... and he's dating a, a gal who's like really very clearly not even close to his age and that's weird <laughs> um yeah there's talk about like back when i was in the the orphanage or whatever and and they show you know the the young woody harrelson and i'm like what is going what is happening <laughs> <laughs> i just don't understand um it makes some weird choices ted but- danson walks in i was just watching cheers last night yeah woody yeah. Harrelson and, yeah ted danson walks in and like come run a bar with me and yeah. Yeah. this fat guy walks in everyone's like norm no but on the whole i i actually liked this movie way more than i liked you say on the whole film. a lot have you noticed that well yeah <laughs> it's kind of the theme it's my way of trying to wrap up all of the many loose strings yeah. we introduce. Yeah, in total. In total. In total. In conclusion, in summary. <laughs> let me dig out my th- thesaurus. On the whole, it's just a little more poetic sounding than yeah. all those other ones. No, I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was fine. I thought yeah. it, it's. And a they fun had the movie. after credit scene where where they put him in the MCU now. So. Yeah. Uh huh. They introduce him to the MCU. Yeah. So. Uh, did Matt Damon know. do a? Fun. Did he do an accent? Matt Damon? No, he no. Don't. well, none of them do an accent. In okay, that. in that movie, in in uh, Last Duel, they they kind of he kind of did, but not much of one. They did more of an okay. accent for their movie than Kevin Costner did for Robin yeah. Hood. Um, ben Affleck does some weird. <laughs> That's an some interesting weird, gradient. Of, no, of ben, like Ben Affleck in in Last Duel is like cartoonish. His his accent yeah. is so fucking weird. I yeah. the moment he opened his mouth, it was like, what is he doing? See, I. I he doesn't. To me, he doesn't look like he can do an accent. And he's got. He, he, he dyed like his hair like full on blonde. It's he, like yeah, blonde yeah. And like Caesar like cut. Justin it's Timberlake like... in the the early aughts blonde. Yeah, like it's he makes some weird character choices in the last duel that is even as like didn't he have facial bizarre. hair that was blonde too? Uh, yeah, he's got like, like a, little a little goatee. goatee. I know Ben Affleck can't do an accent. No, no he can't. He can do a like, Boston I don't, accent. I, like I don't know that about him. He can do a Boston accent. But I know that about him. Yeah. He what? He can do a Boston accent. Oh, wicked Boston accent, huh? But he's from Boston, so he better be able to do a Boston <laughs> yeah, accent. Yeah, I'd hope he'd be able to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, so, Dune. It's another one I didn't see. I yeah. only remember Dune from it, like as a kid when I watched like that. that I fucking Dune go movie. watch this movie. Doom? As in the video? Dune. No, no, no. Dune. Dune. As in Frank <laughs> I was like, Herbert's they did that again? Sci-fi masterpiece. Dune. Yes, my neighbor keeps texting me about this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Dune. Have you seen Dune? Have you seen Dune yet? And I was like, no, I don't even know what that is. And he's like, you got to watch the old one first with Sting. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Sting was in a movie? Sting was in that movie. Sting was in that in movie. In the David yeah. Lynch movie, yeah. yeah. And he was like, yeah, it was really fucking and, weird. And you yeah, got to watch it. Yeah, fucking... well, that movie is weird because, like, everybody's whispering to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for real. And Kyle MacLachlan has, like, yeah, Kyle MacLachlan would show up. He'd, like, like... he'd show up and it's like, it's the gum Jabbar. I'm the Kwisat Zatarak. They need the spice in order for the space guild to fly us to Arrakis. Like, like shit, like that. It's fucking weird. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, it's it's incredible. I don't know. <laughs> this is dope. I figure if I talk low enough, nobody will understand. And they yeah. expect me to know what I'm talking Dune about speak. either. David Lynch is explaining the plot to us right now. <laughs> David Lynch is explaining the plot to you. You're in deep shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking no, lost that's, highway. That's, that's, the that's the old, all I got to say. That's the old dude. <laughs> No, go watch Lost Highway again, though. That movie's oh, brilliant. Yeah. That movie's incredible. Are we doing this again where we're supposed to be talking about one we're movie? We're supposed to be talking about one movie, and we're still just day tripping over Dune. Dune. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Was, are we Lost still Highway the, was the another, t- like, early, t- or was it, uh, yeah, it's an early aughts yeah, classic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, like, Eraserhead, Twin Peaks. I mean, David Lynch is... Wow. But getting back to <laughs> Denny Villeneuve's Dune. Yeah, let's get off. No, this movie's a slam dunk. Cool. Dune. I'll have to watch Freaking it. Freaking great. It's gorgeous. The music is I wonder if it's still on HBO Max. I don't. It, it'll come the, back. The music. It All right. Yeah, the mute dude. Is it like the, uh, the symphonic, m- like score, like movie score? No. Or is it well, like kind I, of. No, it's, uh, uh, what's, who's the, the, uh, the composer? I didn't look that up, damn it. John Williams. Um, it's not John Williams. I failed in my writing duties. No, it's um, it's the guy who did all the Zack Snyder uh, soundtracks and stuff. Oh, the did he do the Christopher Nolan? Yeah. Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. Hi, that's it. Hans Zimmer. Hans yeah. Zimmer. Oh, does. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he does the the soundtrack <laughs> yeah. to this this film. And Wonderful. Mind boggling. Yes. It's cool. So good. Very See, to cool. me, to me, uh, personally, music is in tr- extremely crucial to oh, making yeah. me care oh, about yeah. a movie oh Absolutely. yeah I, I can't do it if there's no score yeah because i'll remember that music for the rest of my life yeah. and, it, and it has those images from the movie tied to it hans zimmer's score serves the like villeneuve's uh visuals immaculately Wow. It is a film that is absolutely gorgeous to watch. Story-wise, I had some issues um, just because I think that it needs to be a four-hour-long movie, and it's only two and a half hours. Right. Well, and I heard they cut out some stuff that was, like, really Pro- intrinsic to the plot. Pivotal. Like, well, not not necessarily the plot, but, like, pivotal to the characterization. Gotcha. And I think that's what bothered me so much was just that, you know, this movie – is so dependent on its characters to work and the stuff that they cut out for time, unfortunately is all of the stuff that I would have kept in because it's so pivotal to the characters. Right. Right. Um, but otherwise, I mean, if, if you can get past the, the weird jankiness of, of like cutting so much out of the plot in order to make it work for a two and a half hour movie, it's visually stunning. And I think that it gives vision to the novel um, that is one of my it's in my top 10 favorite novels of all time um, it, it gives service to the novel that I think is just so fun to see nice. it's really really cool. Toto did the music for the first one yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's uh that movie, I'm telling you, the the old eighties one is, I miss is the rains wild. Down in it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that was they missed the rains <laughs> down on Arrakis. Yeah, a lot a lot of people probably don't know who Toto are. Who Toto no. are. 
They, then they wouldn't get the joke. They wouldn't get the joke meme with like Dorothy holding her dog, and she's like, "I miss Kansas," and he's like, "I miss the rains down in Africa." Okay, so you've convinced me. I need to go watch Dune. Yeah. Um, how about? Oh God, we got to talk about this one, don't we? I mean, just briefly, reminiscence. Like, reminiscence. Let's reminisce about reminiscence and how not a joy it was, Lisa Joy, to watch this film. See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson are in this Hugh movie. Hugh Jackass. Ah, uh, yeah. Huge Jackass. <laughs> Huge Jackass. Huge Jackass. <laughs> He's never heard that yeah. in his entire life. This Probably movie not. is no, exhausting. I'm original in that way. Yeah. It it really was exhausting. Uh, I'm not derivative in any anyways. Any, <laughs> by any means, no. Yeah, this movie was exhausting. Yeah. Um, talk I'm, about not making back its budget. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and this is weird because it was one of those movies that was, l- like, streamed on HBO Max at the same time as it came out That's in where theaters. we caught it. We didn't even we, bother going yeah, to the theater. because I knew it was going to be bad. It looked is like it a new whole bunch is of it trash. Is it sci-fi? Is it sci-fi wanting to be new war? Is it's, it... it's, it's bad. And, and the thing that I was thinking about it after it was done is, like, noir – Usually only works, you know, so much as like we're we're kind of caught up in the the character's head and and we sympathize with the character, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. Like there has to be a kind of sympathy for the narrator in order for this to work. But if you see huge jacked man, <laughs> huge jacked man, I, I just I only know him as huge jacked man. If you see huge, huge Jackman, he can't even not say. It. I can't. I can't not do it. Uh, and you, you know, if you see him and you see that he's also a huge jackass, like, like you don't, you don't give a shit about him. You know. Right. Uh, so I felt like as a noir, as a noir story, it only works so much as you like are actually invested in this dude's life and and like feel sympathy for and him. We're not slamming like this idea of noir being mixed like with another genre because it right. can work. Like it I've can seen, work. Who framed Roger Rabbit? One of my favorite sure. noir films that's like a cartoon and Ooh. like adventure comedy as well too. And yeah. we were and talking about Christopher Lloyd earlier and talk about another like creepy ass performance mm-hmm. by Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, that yeah. no movie. mind uh mind altering yeah. uh, performance by Christopher Lloyd. But yeah. but there, I mean that they understood the concepts of noir, even in that kind of film, and I yeah. don't think Lisa Joy gets it. No, and I don't I really don't think she does. And and as much she as she doesn't I could understand look, dialect. As much as I could look at Rebecca Ferguson all day, because I can look at <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson all day. She was a dude. She was what, in Dune. Wasn't she? She was in Dune. I, I think yeah. she was in Dune. She was. She plays the Lady Jessica. I don't know. I didn't see I'm, that. I'm on board. Like, no, <laughs> we got to go I, see I, Dune, man. What's her I, name? We got to see Rebecca Dune. Ferguson. Ferguson. I could stare at that woman all day. Like, like legitimately. <laughs> I'm about but to find out if I can. this movie sucked. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It sucked. Okay, Reminiscence, not Dune. I'm looking at pictures no, of, Dune of Rebecca Another Ferguson. movie that Fantastic. sucked. Um, while Curtis is looking up Rebecca Ferguson so that two-thirds of Slay House Publishing Presents Lit Bits can have... Uh, like well, shit, my joke just went flat because I forgot what I was. How I was <laughs> Don't you love that? Um, yeah. <laughs> Did Lisa Joy direct your joke? Lisa Joy directed my joke. <laughs> you can circle back. I'll um, change the subject, then you circle back. All and, right. Uh, so yeah, Damn. this uh, Rebecca uh, Ferguson, pretty attractive uh, young lady there. I'm telling um, you, I, I could yeah. look at her. Uh, for, Jeremy, for you got days. anything you want to add? I thought I did, but I've just lost. Oh, it. Like, I let you circle back right. too. Malignant um, James Wan. Stalking, stalking charges against them. Two thirds of lit. See, the joke fell flat now because you're both talking about you could watch her. <laughs> all the all pieces the, are there. All the all put, the way. Put it all together. And, someone. And, and, I'll yeah, go to jail and, for 
Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, and you're stalk, you're stalking. <laughs> We're stalk. Okay, so uh, malignant. <laughs> James Wan's Ode to Farce. <laughs> oh man, man, what a fucking movie. Um, yeah, malignant? it's weird because so this was supposed to be like the big made my horror, brain feel malignant. Yeah, the big horror movie of the fall, other than uh, maybe Halloween Kills, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was supposed to be the big horror movie, and uh, comes out. It was simultaneously released in theaters and on HBO Max, and uh, was supposed to be this tour de force of horror because James Wan is the voice of like new horror right he did the conjuring movies and uh and and oh, those okay. were a smash hit that launched its own they're not like, really weird that great cinematic... either we could do a whole episode on like the conjuring universe yeah um, i uh i do not like those movies but a lot of people love them and think they're great and malignant was one of those movies that came out and it was like his his return to horror after doing some other movies like, whatever you're doing before why don't you go back to it yeah and was supposed <laughs> to be like this you can't yeah this slam dunk kind of horror movie and and people in the horror world were like oh i loved it it was so great uh or they were like what the fuck are you smoking because this movie is terrible and i fall on that like this movie is fucking terrible, man. I mean, it sets up like the date polarizing quado on like total recall. Yeah. So what was? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The the the, the, the like the, conjoined twin growing out of the, the dude's chest. stomach. Yeah. And he and he leads the freedom fighters in total recall. Yeah. Directed by <sighs> Paul Verhoeven, who also <laughs> directed his Starship Troopers. <laughs> see, oh, see how this all comes around. Everything ties back. It it's all, it all oh, together. God. Uh, yeah, this no. is the premise of this is basically the premise of Malignant. This woman's got a conjoined twin coming In out of her back head, of her head, and it takes over. So like the villain that you see, shadowy, like yeah, I'm gonna fucking spoil this. James Wan, James Wan watched Harry Potter yeah. and the Sorcerer's Stone, where where the Voldemort comes yeah. out of the back of Professor Quirrell's head, and right. it's like there's a movie there. And the whole uh, thing, the villain, the big monster, is her running backwards because this the is thing her is running backwards. like taking over her body. Because oh. you think you think that it's like this weird doppelganger or something, this demon or something, and no, it's just the conjoined twin. And, and what was stupid was at the beginning of the movie where they show, you know, they're like foreshadowing the rest of the movie, where she's they're doing surgery on this girl, and you know that it's this deformed twin in the back of her head or whatever that they're removing. Um, the moment that scene opens up, I looked at Jeremy and I said, please tell me that this movie is about a fucking conjoined twin that goes on murder sprees. And, that's exactly uh, and that's exactly what it fucking was. Exactly what it was. It, it, my favorite parts of the movie, uh, she rips a, a woman's heart out just with her bare hands, like sticks it in her Kali Ma style. She like pulls it out. Indiana Jones reference. Yeah, Indiana for Jones reference. Don't... See, everything comes back around. Swish. Everything, everything comes, back around. comes back around. Everything comes back no, around. No, she pulls it out of her chest and, and but then later she's like she like throws I don't know, she throws like a whole fucking hospital bed on this woman and she goes like once she defeats the dumb uh conjoined twin in her brain or whatever and comes back to her senses She's like human again, and and so she's trying to lift this hospital bed, and they're like, "Can you do it? Are you strong enough?" She's like, "If I was strong enough to throw it, I'm strong enough to pick it up." Um, and she blows her hernia. Which is dumb because <laughs> I'm just like, "Are you telling me, legitimately, that I can Kali Ma someone's fucking heart out of their chest if I just think hard enough about doing it?" <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you're telling me that like I'm, my ethical standards are what keep me from punching through someone's fucking chest? Uh, yeah. Here's my Jerry Springer moment to this. All right. Um, we all have our conjoined twins to deal with in our life, and <laughs> and I, uh. I just want you to recognize that you have that issue, and that the people you're around have their own conjoined twins to deal with too. So be yeah. kind to each other. What's your conjoined twin? <laughs> On the next Jerry Springer. Metaphorical. So bad movie. Bad movie. But the last movie we are going to talk point. about. I am fucking legit excited to talk about this movie. Like, okay, Whoa. when I looked these numbers up last night, I want to tell. Uh, so. Think about this for a minute. So this next movie that we're going to talk about has only, by the time of recording, has only been out for th three days, right? Yeah. Has a $75 million budget. Mm -hmm. I looked it up last night, and it had earned back $16.5 million. And I put in our script that that's at the time of recording. But as we were going on about these bad movies, I picked up my phone and Googled this movie again. From last night to today, that number is up to $60 million it's earned at the box office. Nice. Well, keep in mind, first off, like like opening weekends typically do that well. Yeah, right? yeah. I think it would be a really bad sign if it if didn't, it do, didn't that well. do that well. I don't think this movie is going to pass like $300 million, $400 million. I don't know. I just don't feel like it's got that kind of a uh, – I don't think moviegoers are going to movies as much. I don't think they are happen. either, but I think if any of these movies had the potential to, to do that, I, I do think, think it'll one, make a, a good profit. It's going to earn its money you know, back. It's yeah. almost already earned its money back. Well, and I, I think it'll do fine. So like, I want to frame discussion of this last movie with our subject from last yeah. week when we talk about Star Wars and we go on yeah. and on railing against J.J. Abrams. We are talking about <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife. We are talking about Ghostbusters. That? I don't feel like we No, said I was that building yet. up. Yeah. I was trying to make it a surprise. <laughs> 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 uh, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. What's his name? Joaquin Bodine? Joaquin Bodine? You know what I'm trying to say the actor's name. Joaquin Woodbine? It's stressing me out listening you try to say that. It's written here on the script. You're like not even looking at it. I'm not even looking at the script. It's like an old man thing. It's like, let me adjust my bifocals here. He looks at the, he's so tongue in cheek when he looks at McKenna Grace and he's like, oh yeah. She's like, I have a right to a phone call, don't I? And he's like, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Oh, God. That's, a, but that's it's, actually that so obligatory. You know what though? I felt like it was earned. Like I, I, I didn't mind the I pun. Laughed. I oh, laughed. Man. I mean, it, that's what it was there for. They, it was so self-referential. It was. I have, but here's why this movie. Here's why Ghostbusters Afterlife, Afterlife works as a sequel soft reboot, where like the Star Wars Abrams and and Rain Johnson yeah. Star Wars films don't. It's because yeah. the director understands the characters. He understands the universe that yeah. he's building because he grew up in it. The director yeah. is Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman was on the set as well. And Bill Murray at one point says to Ivan Reitman, first time he picks up the, the proton packs on this new set, he's like, Man, these things are so much lighter than what we carried around back in the day. <laughs> he was still complaining about it. He was still complaining like about Bill it. Bill Murray was. Yeah. yeah. But I love that they and yeah, so 
they do kill off one of the the original Ghostbusters in here. But spoiler alert: Harold He's Ramis died like a few years ago. Yeah. So this was more of an homage to him. Yeah. I felt like well, when they were tearing up at the end, like I, I teared up. Ivan Reitman was the the director of the yeah, first. Yeah, Ivan Reitman directed you know, the first two. Of oh, uh, Harold Ramis was so yeah. cool. And don't. And here's the other thing too. I could be accused probably of being one of these. Like if I tell you I hate the 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 Paul Feige version or whatever yeah, the, the 2016 the 2016 movie. version, you're going to be like, oh, because it was all women. It's not because it was all women. It's because he did not understand the universe. He did not understand the source material. To, to be fair, I, I haven't seen the the 2016 version, so I don't. I mean, those I women are all funny. They are all really funny. I just don't think yeah. the story worked. And I think what it was is he. We talked about appropriation, like as if it's something that it's always been yours. Yeah. He doesn't pay that reference. It's almost like plagiarism. He doesn't pay so, that reference to, to the original this, source to material. To throw this right. out here, because I'm just I'm just feeding this out, right? Like if you are rebooting something, like what Paul Feig was doing with the 2016 one. Yeah. If you're rebooting. How much reverence do you need to show to the original, like to, to to the originals? Do you need to pay reference or or like deference to the original characters if you're not using those characters anymore? But he uses some of the actors, like Bill Murray comes back and Sigourney Weaver comes back, and I but think are Dana they Ackroyd the same comes... characters? No, 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 no. no. The they're not actors. the same. No, they're not the same characters. But it's the they're the same actors. They're not the same characters. But it's that in-reference joke, like, we're not going to attribute, even though we're very clearly taking the story, we're not going to at all, you know, attribute to the original story. But here, here's, for those of you who really want one, here's a little in-universe wink by using some of this original actors. And it's like almost a slap in the face. Right, yeah. Like, he could have said, you know, he could have done what they did in this movie, where it's like, hey, the thing in 84 happened. Here, let's build off of that. And that's exactly what they did in this film. And and they make it their own. They bring us new characters that we care about. So one of the things that that works for me in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, yeah, uh, and and doesn't work for me in something similar. I think because we're making comparisons to Star Wars, right? Right. right. I, I I talked about it in um, the Star Wars update 1995. You know, one of the things that I really did not like about the new Star Wars stuff is that it ignores the character development from the original source material. And so the even <laughs> though it gives us new stories with those characters or whatever and and tries to give us new characters that we can fall in love with alongside the other original characters, it does the original characters so dirty mm-hmm. in terms of their development and, and really goes back on all of the things that we know and have believed about those characters for, for however long. Right. And this movie doesn't. This movie gets this the movie original does not characters do it. right. I think that what it does is, well, first off, smartest decision that I think this movie makes is giving us brand new characters to deal with in the same, you know, kind of universe that we like that we can actually grow with alongside the movie. And they are not overshadowed at any point in time by the original characters that we fell in love with back in the eighties. Right. Yeah. So But but two, like with the case of Star Wars, like Star Wars gave us a bunch of brand new characters, but then but they, they were overshadowed. I think the problem with the new characters is they're overshadowed by the returning or the returning cast. And and in order, I think, for us to care more about the new characters, they give us 
like or or they they write off or write out the original characters in a way that I think is again like not true to what we know of those characters exactly and, and so in order to give us the new characters we care about they throw away the old and they stuff. try to make a mystery like but Abrams admitted like he didn't know where the trilogy was going when he well, started writing it well that was another it. fucking problem but he they tried to make Abrams a mystery is a of like bad how these storyteller oh yeah he's absolutely a terrible storyteller but they didn't know where the characters were like how they would be connected to the original cast yeah. and here yeah. in Ghostbusters Afterlife we know going like they don't show us Harold Ramis as Egon Spangler at the beginning. We I, I looked at my wife because she was there watching it with me, and it's like that's very clearly supposed to be like an older Egon Spangler. Yeah, like they kind of hide it from you, but they can't show you because it's Harold Ramis has, has passed yeah. away. So they have a stand-in yeah. actor, but yeah. um, it's very clearly that's who that character is supposed to be. Right. So when the family comes in, then they set up these stakes to tie it to one of the original Ghostbusters. So we yeah. see that link there. We're given kind of that continuity to care about yeah. these new characters. Right. Well, and I, I think, you know, uh, just throwing this out there, I don't even necessarily need know that we needed that generational link for these characters. Maybe not, but it was nice because to Because I have. think the characters themselves are interesting enough that I was, you know, like McKenna Grace. I, I, that she does a phenomenal job. That character, Phoebe, I was uh, invested 100%. I thought that so was much so better fun job in that than in Malignant. She's in both. Oh, is she really? She's, I she's completely blocked out my brain. That I think she, she plays the, the the. You're totally right. The back, she plays the young, um, the young, the young version, version of, of, of uh, whatever the character. Annabelle name. Wallace. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. The the the. The actress. And for those of you who might know the name but don't necessarily know what she's been in, she was also in The Haunting of Hill House yeah. um, on Netflix. I think she's a young oh. actor that, that you should put on your radar. She sings that song at the end of, during the credits. What was her name? Oh, yeah. The, McKenna the Grace. McKenna Grace. Yeah. The the Ghosts in This House yeah. or whatever that song yeah. is. Um, I could have used a little bit more Paul Rudd in this movie. Yeah. But I just Greg feel like Gruberson. everything needs. Yeah, Grant Gruberson. <laughs> they get, they get a, some good jokes out of that. His um, name is Greg Gruberson. I feel um, like, but I feel like all of these characters really work in their own right. I feel I like I could use some more Olivia Wilde. Uh, I can use more Olivia Wilde. I, you want to talk about? It's not obsessions. the first time I've heard someone say that. Like, I am so <laughs> obsessed with Olivia Wilde. So obsessed with her. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I kept making jokes. Like, I made one on on Twitter. Like, <laughs> Gozer, the the demon that they're trying to resurrect, who was also in the first movie, right? Um, not I'm, played I'm by just, Olivia Wilde in the first I, movie. Yeah. Anytime <laughs> I watch a movie and and it's like I want to resurrect this ancient god or something like that, I'm like, but why? <laughs> Why do you want to do that? Like, is your yeah, is your life really so shitty that you you yeah. really think that that's gonna work? Um, but then they they show up and and Gozer is played by Olivia Wilde, and I was like, I get it. Yeah. I, get, I would be in that cult for sure. I Gozer. love I love that when the Ghostbusters the original do come in and and that's the big fight scene at the end, and she looks at him and says, you know, are you a god, like from the first one? Yeah. And Ray, like Dan Aykroyd's going, um, and Bill Murray and Ernie Hudson just look at him like, you've got to be uh, kidding god, me. Gotta, like, come, come on, on. man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we're gods. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, I think she remembers us. <laughs> yeah. It's, it we just spoiled the whole movie. I don't give a I, shit. I love that what? movie. Don't and I'll listen to this until you watch see, the movie. If you're going to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Actually, we won't have spoiled it because like by the time this comes out, it'll be a few weeks old. Wait, and, yeah. so is Gozer the one who uh, kidnaps the baby in that in the... No, that's the sequel. That's some Carpathian yeah, wizard the, the guy. The weird guy. Which that also is like Gozer canon. is the one that, that uh, lives in the freezer. 
right? Or the phrase, oh, when, when okay. the gate, they're, you know, the gatekeeper is trying to get to the key master and yeah. then they, yeah. they, uh, resurrect Gozer and, and, uh, the character designs are like really cohesive. So I mix them up with, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I, you know, cause yeah. I'm looking I mean, at Olivia Wilde. Even the, this, yeah. Even the style looks really, really yeah, good. good. It's kind of, um, yeah, I really kind of want to see it. Now. She looks a whole lot like the old, Gozer, yeah. it, but also she looks like Olivia Wilde. As soon as I saw her, it was like, oh man! Like I thought she—I didn't realize it was Olivia Wilde. I'll admit that. Like I didn't—I I knew I it didn't. the moment I saw her. I, I wouldn't. Like, oh, have, shit. No, I wouldn't have known either. I, maybe it's just because I'm obsessed with Olivia Wilde. But yeah, I've never seen be. her look uh, undesirable. So both Olivia yeah, Wilde before. and so weird. Rebecca Ferguson are going to be getting those restraining uh, you orders know, on two thirds uh, of Slay House. Them and and, uh, and what's her face, uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, well, and I was like all talking up Salma Hayek, who's still gorgeous to this day. So it's like, you oh know, yeah, sure, we're all going to jail. I don't think I'm as obsessed with Salma Hayek as like Jennifer Connelly. Dude, watch sure. from dusk till dawn. I, I like, I was, I've seen it. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, for me, Jennifer Connelly <laughs> from and dusk till dawn. It, my, my formative moment was uh, <laughs> yes. the Rocketeer. Where you didn't she, like from dusk till dawn. Rocketeer. The Rocketeer. Oh yeah, the, I love no, the Rocketeer. No, I liked. No, I liked it. It was just. It was like, insane. I felt like I was having a weird fever dream the whole time. Oh yeah, that, that's what I loved about it. Though. Quentin Tarantino's character was like disgusting. Oh, he was. Oh yeah. We're he talking about terrible. the same movie, right? Yeah, we're. T- okay. Yeah, <laughs> bank, it starts <laughs> out as like this crime spree, bank bank robbers thing, and then yeah, it turns into yeah. them going to a strip club in Mexico with vampires. The whole the yeah. whole thing was so damn so high bizarre. Yeah. And she does a, a dance. Yeah. She, oh man. That, Okay. Uh, anyway, but we're talking about Ghostbusters <laughs> Afterlife. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, like, I don't know, Olivia Wilde for me. I love this Wilde freaking movie. I thought oh, yeah. this movie was great. I thought Finn Wolford was was great in this film. I thought I'm not seeing yeah. Carrie Coon in a we lot of share stuff. A, we share a name. Uh, the character. Yeah. He's w- a Trevor. Yeah. He's a Trevor. The first Trevor that I uh, in a a tre- film. I've seen Trevor pop up like all over I've, the place. I've seen him like the name crop up in a couple of films, but he's always like I don't know. I'm some seeing it on TV dork. a lot too. I'm seeing and, a like lot he's of never like a really good character, and now <laughs> I feel like I've finally found it's like that my Star Trek cultural... episode, the trouble with Trevors. The trouble yeah. with Trevor. <laughs> we, I, that would be. I, hey, just Photoshop me over all of the triples in that movie. That'd if Harold Ramis were still alive, how do you think they would have? What, what do you think this movie uh, would have done so with that? This is where, this is a really interesting ethical question, yeah. right? Which is like, what do you do with a dead actor, right, or actress? Like, you know, do you continue pay homage to use without their... making it seem cheesy and exactly? And, and, and I think and, they did. I think they respected him. Cool. But I mean, very cynically too. Like, like there is this feeling that if you digitize someone after they're dead, mm-hmm. you know, like is that not you just using their dead like? capitalizing on their dead likeness you know for more money it i right. like i understand the ethics there because it's like even as an actor you can't even necessarily have autonomy you know over like your acting career post surely right because they're just going to resurrect from... you well moving moving forward that might be a thing that the actors figure out before they die, because it's going to be like a common thing that after an yeah, actor dies, you digitize I'm, them and you use AI. Hopefully, Reitman went and like talked them. to the family and was like, "Here's my well, family. so yeah. so from what I hear, from something. what I hear, like like on most accounts, they're like Harold Ramis would probably have been very proud of this movie, right? Yeah. And yeah. like like his like being involved like after death in a movie like this, like Ghostbusters. You know, and so this was his and Dan Aykroyd's brainchild. I mean, they yeah, were, they were to, very to that extent. I feel like, like the the 
there is a lot of homage here. Yeah. You know, it's right. done very lovingly, and I don't think that it's done necessarily for like a very cynical purpose. No, I, right. You know, I didn't feel like this was just a money maker. Like, let's use this and yeah. Right. Like, I'm more cynical but, about the use of the original characters in the Abrams Star Wars films than yeah. Than oh here. yeah, no. I here like when like at the very end, it gave the three guys a chance as their characters on screen to say that. That public goodbye yeah. to not just Egon Spangler, but to Ramus himself. I right. felt like, and I was tearing up. I was like, when they showed like the image of him helping his granddaughter hold the thing, and it, it, uh, it was the like it's pack. definitely played for for effect, like for I'm, sure, and it works, man. It um, works. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I can. I can see myself falling on either side of this argument where I'm yeah. like, you know, like like actors should be able to maintain their autonomy after death and like resurrecting them for whatever your fucking weirdo pet project is, is real fucking creepy to me. You right. know, yeah. like yeah. Carrie Fisher in this in Star Wars, like, you know, because she died before she concluded filming that I last Star Wars died. movie. Yeah. I yeah. forgot she died. Yeah, Holy man. Cow. Yeah. Um, and but then she's in the movie and she's <laughs> digitized. Paul Walker did the same thing to him in the Fast and Furious. I didn't like that. No. Of course, there's it, nothing very tasteful about any of those movies in the first place. Right. No. And there's also some weird, you know, like in the, in again, going back to Star Wars, like. Um, 50 years from now, let's study our film school. Let's watch The Fast and the Furious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. Uh, <laughs> Peter Cushing shows up in, uh, in Rogue One, right? Like yeah. they, they digitize Peter Cushing. And his likeness to to be Grandma and D.H. Carrie Fisher in that too. And yeah, and they well, yeah, and they, they present but the same thing. There, I can understand. I mean, they they they're providing a continuity to the the original films, and they're right. And and that, and then there's another question. It, it's like you know, just because that actor portrayed that character, is not the character separate from the actor. Right. As as a fictional entity. And then you have to ask, you know, question weird questions like in the depiction of that character, you know, is is that character the likeness that, that you're depicting or is it, you know, Peter Cushing? I, I think it gets weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and again, you know, I just I think that ethically there there are some weird boundaries that you're <laughs> kind of dealing with. With with regard to to entertainment and there are, but I do feel like like the what they do with Harold Ramis and Ghostbusters Afterlife is right on target. Like I feel sure. like I, I feel like that was great, I, terrifically nice. handled. That's I think good to was, know. And I felt like everything was now. done very yes. reverentially. Yes. I felt like it, like this movie really does look back at the spirit of the original two movies, and mm -hmm. was like, let's have fun with this. Let's like renovate this old house for a newer audience and you know like kind of re-deliver to the this metaphorically the, the kind of and the after credit scenes oh yeah which i had to warn i had to text trevor and tell him that there were two after i didn't know you might have known that already but i, just, I always stay to the end of every movie that i go see though like yeah, yeah there are two after credit scenes it's like they list like the characters and it's like and sigourney weaver and she hadn't been in yeah, any part like, of the what? film and it's Where like wait where's sigourney movie? weever and then and the, she shows the up first after credit scene pops up and it's yeah. it's her doing the uh the the psychic cards like peter vinkman's doing in the first one where he, he's like i never shocked the girls i always shocked because he was hitting on the girls oh okay so he's like holding out the cards like what is this and, she's and like electrocuting so him. she's like doing it now and he's hooked up to the the electrodes <laughs> oh, nice. and she's like you probably marked these didn't you and he's like no no and she shocks him and he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
is so, a, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I I I feel like again as as trying to like reinvent a new Ghostbusters. This movie serves as I mean, soft reboot. It kind of feels a little bit reiterative because it borrows so many story beats from the first movie. Yeah. And if you know that movie really, really well, I feel like you're going to see this movie and be like, well, they just kind of did the same thing that I've already seen. Right. But I felt like that's part of the fun. It's yeah. part of the spirit. And I think it's part of the reintroduction of Ghostbusters with this little renovation to be like, look, we can still make this a fun film for a lot of viewers and and hopefully launch a franchise that like I'm I'm kind of angry that it took us 40 fucking years or whatever. Yeah. You know, almost to get another But I mean Ghostbusters movie. Right. Winston Zeddemore is now rich. He's opened up the the uh the house again. They've got the Ecto-1 back. I mean, you know they're setting up a a franchise for this like they're they're doing this oh like, i know they're they're setting and up dana a barrett's son oscar was nowhere in this i mean he could totally be like yeah. the new i was he'd be 30 something years old now I that's was not depressing sad that, enough uh, what's his what's his face wasn't in this movie oh rick moranis rick moranis maybe he oh. could be but i, I mean, haven't seen rick moranis in a well he stopped acting right yeah, yeah. I, think I think his think, wife died didn't yeah, she yeah i think and he, like, i think he's to been doing some I think he's been doing some stage acting. Paul lately. Rudd kind of takes the Rick Moranis role in this. Paul Rudd is so fun. I, it needed more Paul Rudd, but it I did. also Every, hope that they everything needs more Paul Rudd. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> even kidding? movies with Paul Rudd, I would like more Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I I feel like Celery give Man. Him, yeah, celery, more Celery Man. Now Tane, I can get into. Yeah, Tane, that I can get into. Show me a printout of Oyster it. smiling. You guys, you guys warped my brain wobble. showing me that video. Like, that I love it. me. That I love it. Yeah, me. Google Celery Man, yeah, Paul Rudd. And uh, it, can you the... kick up the 3D, 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 3? <laughs> Your wife's calling. It's an emergency. Tell her I call her back. <laughs> we got important work to we do. We got more work to do. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's so he was funny. so awesome. This whole, I mean, this movie was an A plus. Like, of yeah. all the of all the movies on our list, I feel like this is the A plus movie. Like, this is probably the only A movie for me on this list. Uh, for me, I mean, Dune. I it was a slam dunk. Yeah. I really, really loved Dune. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, in a year of of like struggling to find the right movie, uh, I feel like Ghostbusters Afterlife was the first one that yeah. that I walked away from being like really like all right. I feel like there's momentum here. Nice. Like movies can movies can be back. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, everybody. That is our movie review for the fall of 2021. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing more movies because you know if we're not reading books, we're watching movies um so we're probably we're definitely going to be doing a new uh movie review coming the new year um and with our next season we've got uh still some good episodes coming out we got a great interview coming up with one of our Slayhouse people fellow author karen huff we have a four-part series on Dracula. We have some year-end review stuff that we're looking at. Yeah. We've got our anthology that we're working on that Christmas, should be out. Christmas um, special on the way. Christmas special on the way. We have StokerCon coming up. We're going to be at StokerCon. We, uh, this is just the beginning for Slay House. We want to thank our producers. Um, Curtis yeah. and Les at Wayne Howard Studios. And definitely and now, welcome Curtis as a permanent member. And welcome Curtis again as our permanent third host. I'm glad to be here. It feels comfortable. 
It does. It does. It's <laughs> nice. To, it's really nice to have that that third voice yeah. here, and I I love the energy that we we've got going. Um, so this is just the beginning, folks. This is this is just not the beginning of this episode. This is the end of this episode. This is just the beginning of what Slayhouse is going to do, though. It is only the beginning. <laughs> we've only just begun. Um, all right, I'm done. No, 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 no. keep singing, keep singing. I love Shut the carpenters. It down. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> all right, everyone, have a good one.